and welcome to the third episode of Did You Do Your Homework, the pod- pulp culture podcast that teaches you everything about anything and where we make doing your homework actually fun. My name is Kaylee Scouten and I am a data analyst and helping me each week to discuss our homework, build the curriculum, and share next week's episode assignments are... Martha Sullivan, teen librarian by day and super nerd by night. And Pete Romberg, a curriculum designer and pop culture consumer. Great. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. It's been a long week. There's been some ups and downs at work, but in general, doing okay. Good. I'm doing pretty great. It's been a mostly good week. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm doing what I like to call drumph good, which is that the world around me might be going uh, downhill, but I personally am doing okay. Um, Look, we gotta we gotta take it where we can get it, man. Right, exactly. Although we did get served a heaping pile of justice this week, three to zero, and I. I think it's okay for us all to just revel in that for a little bit. It is good that, to like. That's all I had. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we get started, it's only fair that we share with you our pop culture credentials. This is the part of the show where we share with you the last piece of media we consumed, regardless of quality, prestige, or guilty pleasure factor. I know my last piece of pop culture that I consumed was I've been listening to the Outlander audiobooks, which I know that they have a show, but I don't have that station for cable. So I've been sort of like getting the audiobook experience instead. Um, how about you, Martha? Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts because my commute is horrifying and frequently the both problem and good thing about podcasts is that if they're on a network, listening to one podcast makes you want to listen to 18 more. <laughs> Recently, I've been on a Maximum Fun pop, co- pop podcast kick. And in case you guys didn't know, that's where all 827 of the McElroy Brothers podcasts live. <laughs> Are there any so, McElroys or... No, there are only three, which leads me to believe that they are all wizards using time turners, because that is the only way that I can think of that they would have time to do as many projects as they have going. So the last piece of pop culture that I consumed was uh, the podcast Rose Buddies, which is hosted by Griffin McElroy and his wife, Rachel McElroy, where they uh, talk about The Bachelor. And I don't even watch The Bachelor anymore, but I find it very compelling and a little bit soothing and absolutely hysterical to listen to. Uh, it's a bit like it's a bit like sitting in a group of really catty women drinking wine, only without the other women in the wine. So, oh. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, share with us. For myself, but before I share, which is also a really good stalling tactic as I try to remember what I consumed. Uh, Kaylee, you need to drop Mar in a line and just talk about Outlander because that is 10,000% her jam. Um, okay. She is, I don't want to say obsessed with it, but like obsessed with it. So, um, yeah. We can for our listeners, for our listeners, Mar is Pete's lovely significant other. She is way too good for him and we like her a lot. Friend of the show. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I they like her more than me, so uh, that works out really well for everyone. Okay, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, for myself, Martha, I'm very glad that you also are shouting out a podcast, because I was thinking, like, oh, God, I think the last thing I consumed was a podcast, and is that too, um, you know, self-aware to be talking about? Um, I guess the answer is no, which is great. So the last media I consumed was Vox's The Weeds podcast, uh, if you're not reading Vox on a daily basis, I highly recommend it. Um, it is a political news website. Uh, Ezra Klein is a big name attached to it, but both he, Matthew Iglesias, and Sarah Cliff uh, do the podcast The Weeds. It is very weedsy in terms of politics and nuance. They often have a white paper of the week. White papers being things like, you know, the... Um, uh, some economics institute puts out a thing saying that uh, um, age prorating in the insurance, uh, in Obamacare insurance is currently set at three to one, and maybe it would be better if it was set at five to one, uh, between how much more we can charge older people than younger people for insurance. And then we get deep into the policy implications of that. Uh, for someone like me who loves all that sort of stuff, it's wonderful. Um, Ezra Klein, Matthew Iglesias, and Sarah Cliff are all phenomenal journalists. I follow them all on Twitter. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I retweet them quite a bit. Um, they're, they're phenomenal, and they are definitely one of my most trusted names in news. So, uh, Vox is the Weeds podcast. Yeah, I think if we were on a network, there might be something weird about us recommending podcasts that we're not on our network. But we're not. We're free. Yay. So, yeah, we we make our own rules here. We're we're rebels. But you know, Earwolf or whatever, if you want to pick us up, uh, you know, we're free agents. <laughs> I'm not opposed to selling out. Oh yeah, this 100% is uh... <laughs> okay. Uh, shall we get to it? Sure. Kaylee, why don't you remind us what our topic this week is? So our topic this week is bullying. So much fun. Not really. Um, and Merriam-Webster defines bully as a blustering, browbeating person, especially one who is habitually cruel, insulting, or threatening to others who are weaker, smaller, or in some way vulnerable, or, or some way vulnerable. Yeah, I threw, the, uh, I threw the definitions up there just because... I was I was thinking about all of the different characters in media that I would describe as bullies and kind of why I was thinking of them that way. So I thought it would be helpful for us to start with just kind of a general how does the dictionary define a bully and then later we can talk about maybe what what um what characteristics the the characters we're about to talk about display that make us categorize them as bullies. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I also threw up the verb format because uh, the verb definition because I feel like that may actually have more relevancy than the particular noun, and that's uh, to treat someone in a cruel, insulting, threatening, or aggressive fashion, to act like a bully toward, um, and to or to cause someone to do something by means of force or, co or coercion. The end. Very relevant. Um. So, Martha, would you like to go first and talk about your homework that you've assigned this week? Sure. Uh, so I gave you guys another book because I'm a librarian and that's how I do. Uh, 
The book is 13 Reasons Why by Jay Asher. It is a young adult novel that is about to be turned into a Netflix uh, miniseries, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, it was written in t- it was published in 2007, and it stars a high school student named Clay Jensen, who is delivered a box of cassette tapes, um, who were which were recorded by his classmate Hannah Baker. And these are significant because he receives them a couple of days after Hannah committed suicide. Uh, As he listens to the tapes, he discovers that they are Hannah's story, uh, which she records right before she chooses to end her life, uh, detailing the 13 people and the 13 reasons um, that snowballed into her making the decision uh, to commit suicide. I, f- I find it to be a very harrowing read. Um, I also find it to be a very frustrating read. Um, I wish that I had read it as a teen because I feel like my perspective on the story as an adult is very different um, than it would have been if I had read it as a teenager. But I'm, I'm interested to know uh, how you guys responded to it. I'd read it before, obviously, um, but I don't think that either of you did. So, what did you think? I enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it as, like, a first read because I had not read it before. And I thought it was interesting to show how it was more of an an internal account of how bullying can affect a person. And a lot of times, it always seems like, well, you know, one little thing happened. Was it really that bad? And it's like, this kind of shows that, yes, it was because compounded on top of everything else it made this little thing into a big thing. And you can kind of see into um, Hannah's mentality of like, it just wouldn't stop. And so the only way that she felt that she could escape it was to end her life. Yeah, I think um, just in talking about the story, I think it's relevant at this point to mention that um, when Hannah is a freshman, one of her classmates publishes a hot or not list Um, of his classmates in which she is voted as having the best ass of the freshman class, uh, which ends up being relevant because she feels as though a lot of the boys that she goes to school with end up um, seeing that list as tacit permission uh, to, you know, subject her to the the kind of sexual um, aggressive or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Advances. Uh, unwelcome sexual advances, uh, which ends up being you know, sort of the root of a lot of the bullying that she deals with. Um, yeah, so it starts it starts as a fr- as when she's a freshman, and she takes her life when she's a senior. So, you know, we're talking about four years of uh, compounded abuse that she ends up taking. I almost found it interesting that it was that she was on the hot list and not the not list and I wonder how things would have been different if she had been on the not list if that would have also have affected her as much as it did see I feel having been a freshman girl at one point I feel like if you're on the not list that's something you can almost dismiss as a joke like oh well that's ridiculous like it doesn't I don't think that that would have invited the same kind of behavior from people who are like, ooh, going to tap that ass. That's, that's uh, 
you know, cause, cause that list, um, you know, and I had this on our discussion notes and I'm sorry, I haven't given, uh, haven't given Pete a chance to talk about his reactions to the book yet. Um, oh, what was I about to say? Pete, uh, what do you think notes, about the book? I'd, say, I'd uh, jump ahead first to talk about what you were going to say on the discussion notes before I jump in. Um, unless you need that lifeline. <laughs> um, I no, I don't remember. It's it's gone. I don't remember what I was going to say. Right, I'm so looking at my discussion. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my notes and I don't even remember uh, what I was going to say. So, my pros for this book were that it had a interesting framing device wherein you had a narrator who is listening to the tapes and you have a back and forth between her telling her story on the tapes and then him sort of responding to or reacting to it. But you have almost a dual narrator set up. I thought that was interesting. Um, my other main positive on it is that it does a great job at highlighting um, why empathy matters. And I think for me, that's going to be sort of a running theme this discussion is I, I have this idea of like, we absolutely need to be teaching and addressing and dealing with radical empathy. And so much of what Hannah is going through is um, happening to her because of um, either a lack of empathy or um, even I would say maybe the other way around wherein she perceives an action in a certain way because she is not empathetic towards others. Um, that is, shouldn't be construed as victim blaming, blaming. I think that she is like very much correct in a lot of her interpretations of things, but um, you know, there, there are also sequences where she is very judgmental of certain characters in the same way that they might be judgmental to her. And so everyone needs a nice, healthy boost of empathy all around. Um, that being said, I absolutely hated this book. Um, it is not a book I would have picked up normally, but I tried to give it a, a good shot. Like, I, I knew nothing about it going in. Um, read the first, the blurbs on the front page. I was like, oh, this is, yeah, it's getting good blurbs. I know literally nothing about it other than the fact it's called 13 Reasons. Um, and I started reading it. And within about 10 pages, if it wasn't a book assigned for this, I would have uh, thrown it across the floor, put it down at the very <laughs> least. Um, you will not be watching the Netflix series. I will I not. Th thank you for mentioning the Netflix series. I will be staying far away from the Netflix series. And I think one of my, I among other problems I have with this, um, the biggest one I have is um, I don't think that this is a suicide romanticizing book. I don't think this is anything like a Lord Byron poem or whatever. But I think that if you were a depressed teen in high school and you read this book, you might walk away with it thinking like, yeah, Hannah definitely showed those dudes who did her wrong what's what by killing herself and sending her these tapes. That's a good move. Um, See, and, and, I, I disagree. Oh, sorry. Well, I was saying at, at the very end, the very last page, there's a scene that is very much like opposed to that. And you also like, you see, literally before recording this, I, I was uh, talking about this book. Um, uh, you see the reaction of somebody that she hurt through her action, um, like through killing herself um, via the other narrator. So you see his reaction to her telling her story and it's grief-laden and stricken 
Um, but I'll be honest, I did not give two, um, you know, I, I did not care in the slightest about that other narrator, like, basically at all. Uh, so, like, him going through the, all this emotion, I was like, I, whatever, I don't care. Um, so that could just be me. But, like, you don't... Everyone is distraught through it. But 90% of the people who are distraught are people who, through her tapes, deserve, quote-unquote, deserve to be distraught. I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you find the the Clay, the, I guess, main narrator... Did you find him to be a little bit of a Mary Jane character? Yeah, I mean, he was... Yeah. So, like, no spoiler here, but, like, he's set up as, Do you like... mean Mary Sue? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mary Sue. Where it's just, okay. you know, everyone else in these stories is so bad. And then you get to him, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry I did this to you. You're so sad and grief-stricken. You're such a great guy, and it's so much like the whole... You're too perfect. I mean, come on, really? Like... If I wasn't reading this on an iPad, I would have thrown it across the room at that point where it's like, wait, I've been waiting half this book to see what bad thing he did to her. And the yes. answer is he did nothing bad to her. She yes. loved him. Like, yes. flip the table. A couple of things. You're both completely wrong, but that's okay. We can all still be friends. <laughs> uh, I, I think the point of the book is that you're supposed to look at what Hannah did. You're supposed to look at Hannah throughout the book and not agree with her. I, I think that the, the sort of key confrontation in the whole book is when she goes to talk to her teacher at the end, um, which is after she's kind... So she, she develops a, a completely unearned reputation, um, which is why I wanted to talk about slut-shaming, because a boy that she makes out with spreads a rumor that they did... You never find out exactly what he said that they did, but the implication is that he tells people they had sex. Oh, I thought it was just first base. Well, that's all they did, but then he tells people that they went a lot further, and that's mm. where a lot of the, the rumors start. You know, and she tells... She tells... Uh, or her narration in the tapes is like, I never gave in to my reputation except this one time, and it's at, like she's at the complete end of her rope. She lets the guy finger her in the hot tub. She's like a complete rock bottom, and she goes to her teacher to try and find some way... Like, she is like, this is my last hope. I need you to tell me that there's a solution. And the problem there, and the problem that I think that the book hinges on, is that the solution she's looking for doesn't exist. Yeah. I don't think anything that the teacher tells her is wrong. I don't think any of it is out of line. I don't think that any of it demonstrates any kind of, like... I don't think it demonstrates any kind of lack of empathy... She is simply, she is 17. She thinks that this is the worst her life is ever going to be. And I have thoughts about that too, because for, for teenagers, they have no perspective. So they're looking at their lives and thinking, well, how can this get better? I have no, I have no frame of reference for it being better. And she finds out that the magic solution she needs doesn't exist. And where I, as an adult can look at that and think, well, I can get through this. She has no cornerstone like that. I think that we need Clay as the narrator because you need someone to be sympathetic who's still part of the story. And I don't think that he could have been involved in a negative way and had us as the audience still feel any kind of connection to him at all. I think that was a, a deliberate narrative choice. 
um, regardless of uh, of how interesting or disinteresting it makes his character. Um, but I, I want to talk specifically about the difference between the way, and this will come up a little bit after we get into Dazed and Confused for you, Pete, um, but the difference between the way that girls bully each other and the way that boys bully each other. Because for Hannah, it's it's coming from the same source. It, they're, they're both sort of a, a response to her um, as a sexual creature. They're, they're both kind of a slut-shaming response. But from girls, it's very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for, Pete? Caddy. Yeah, it's like it's it's caddy. It's putting her in her place almost like thinking that they're better than she is because of some perceived uh, impurity in her. And for boys, it's just like a field day. It's like, oh, cool. Doors are open. Like, let's do this. And they're coming from the same place and the reactions are so different. And I really, I love teenagers, but I really hate teen girls sometimes. <laughs> but we all love teen girl squad sometimes. Um, yes. Boys and girls, <laughs> I think, um, bully each other in in their, their gender group in different ways. And I, I thought of this with Martha, what you had written in the notes. And I was reading the notes as I was watching Dazed and Confused. Um so I was sort of directly thinking about that. Do you want to introduce Dazed and Confused? Sure. Um, so Dazed and Confused is the homework that I assigned. It was a 1990, I'm going to say three, but that could be wrong by a couple years, a movie by David or, uh, Richard Linklater. Um, I think it was Linklater's first movie. Uh, takes place IMDb in... says IMDb says 93. Nice. Carry on. It. Um, uh, by Richard Linklater. Um a day, it's the very last day of school in 1977. Um, you've got the soon to, the just became seniors, right? Like they, they were juniors, now they're going to be the seniors. Um, um, going about hazing all the soon to be freshmen. Um, you have, it's 1977, so everyone's drinking, partying, smoking weed, um, hanging out, talking to each other. You've got a very young Ben Affleck, whom Martha couldn't even identify in the movie because he's so I had, un... I had no idea. Yeah, he, he doesn't talk in a, in a Boston accent, so, like, you don't know who he is. Uh, you have a very <laughs> uh, creepy young Matthew McConaughey who introduced his all right, all right, all right in this. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kids driving around, being kids in 77 movie uh set to a great soundtrack um in the movie the way that the two genders bully each other like the hazing is very different um the girls the the incoming freshman girls are all rounded up by the incoming senior girls i'm just gonna stop saying incoming at this point um the senior girls and they're basically all humiliated you know it it, it feels very much like a, a sorority type um situation not having been in one i'm simply surmising of um, uh, putting uh, pacifiers in the mouths, making them, um, covering them in, like, ketchup and stuff, uh, having them propose to guys who then, you know, ask sexually re relevant questions of them. Um, so, so very much a humiliation aspect. Um, the boys, on the other hand, uh, bully each other through just good old-fashioned making a paddle and literally beating asses. Um, uh, half the movie is the, the incoming freshman boys just trying to run away from the crazy Ben Affleck and friends, um, as they're trying to give them a good whooping. Um, 
And, and that to me is very, very, I think on the nose, like guys, I, I read a thing recently where men tend to have conversations and, and sort of position themselves in a very hierarchical manner where there are issues until you figure out what the hierarchy is. And then everyone just sort of knows how to relate because we have a, a set hierarchy. That would be the, um, the thing of the classic new kid in school punches the uh, a tough dude on the first day so everyone knows not to mess with him and then after that no one messes with him um that would be sort of that classic posturing and it, it, it's i think a lot more posturing and a lot more um you know j just just jockeying for position um whereas i think and this could be entirely wrong but women tend to have less of a, a strict hierarchical situation going on so there's a lot more of um I guess, maybe infighting or, like, different ways of jockeying and different ways of posturing and, and things like that, which which changes a lot of the dynamic of how the bullying is happening. Um, and also just the idea of, like, women aren't supposed to be physical, so men are going to be asserting their positions through physicality, um, uh, punching, beating, whatever. Uh, so, so women are doing it through another way, namely, um, you know, humiliation. I actually think the problem is more that the girls do have that hierarchy, but they all think they're on top. Mm. So it's it's a lot of like verbal undermining and like behind the it's it's both we all think we're on top and we all want to preserve this illusion that we're actually friends mm -hmm. because just coming just coming out and saying I don't like her is especially in high school is like not acceptable whereas guys the hierarchy is a lot more straightforward because like oh yeah we like you know d new dude in school punched the big tough dude in in the face we know that like even if we're not friends with him we just know not to mess with him so we're not gonna mess with him um i understand what you guys are saying and i know that i personally am not like that like i am not a top dog at all i am like a bottom dog like hey let's just be friends type but that's just me. Like, I'm not the typical person, so that's... So I can't relate in that regard to, hey... When I've, I've never punched anyone in the face. That wasn't my experience. <laughs> but... Well, and I think for the necessity of the conversation, we're going to be speaking a little bit in generalities. I mean, obviously, not all girls are horrible bitches. Like, clearly. Well, and, um, and, and also, I think it's in... Um... There's, I think there's a huge difference between going to a high school of 4,000 kids versus going to a high school of 400 kids, just in terms of the way that social dynamics tend to play out. Um, in a high school of 4,000 kids, there is no hierarchy, really, because it's like, who cares? You can get lost in one. There's hierarchy within the group, but there... Maybe... I was gonna say... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there, there's hierarchy within the group, and there's group dynamics, but that's slightly different, I think, than, like, school-wide dynamics, where I feel yeah. like in 13 Reasons Why, um, it's it, it feels like a smaller school so that everyone knows each other and everyone, um, you know, is in each other's business all the time. And these the, Hannah's new to school her freshman year, um, whereas the, these other kids have known each other for, for however long, which is also probably a reason why rumors get spread about her a little more. She's the new kid. Um so I, I think that there is something that, like, we all, coming from big schools, have a slightly different personal background than if we were coming from, you know, 400-person high schools. So just throwing that out there as, like, ways dynamics are different. 
so I did not enjoy Dazed and Confused. Um, and I feel less bad about that after hearing Pete's reactions to 13 Reasons Why. So I'll say high five um, and disliking I... each other's choices. <laughs> I, did, I did posit this on our Twitter account. I almost wonder if this is another thing that I just should have watched as a high schooler. Um, because watching it now, I have like no patience for any, I have no patience for two things, any of the shenanigans that any of these teenagers are pulling on each other. Yes. And the lack of parental involvement. Oh my God. When that, when that, when that mother comes out of her house with the shotgun and waves it in Ben Affleck's face, I was like, yes, yes. Show him that he is not just allowed to hit your kid. With a what it was that um a like a the 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 it, but it's the a bat, a, a cricket bat yeah yeah well, and, like, and the flip the you, flip side you of that to do that the, the flip side of that which I was losing my mind about was when the the high schoolers pull up outside the middle school with the megaphone and they're like hey all you middle schoolers come out and get your beatings and the and the teacher well, and when... the teacher just smiles like here's him. he's like ha ha kids are gonna get beat today. <laughs> Like, did you get the feeling? Did you get the feeling that this was a town where every adult in it had grown up in that town? Definitely. Yes. So they were, they were all like, "Well, we had to go through it." And so I, that, that's a lot of things that I was focusing on in my my show notes today is the idea like hazing and um, exactly that of like, well, we did it when we were kids, so like it's totally normal for them to be doing it when they're kids, and how there's a lot of there's sort of like two parental interactions uh, vis-a-vis bullying, and, and I guess I should say adult interactions. The first is the um, trying to stop it in some way, and the other is either tacitly or explicitly condoning it. Um, and and so that's sort of... Uh, Hjordis is a really great example of of doing a good job both. of trying to stop it and everything. Well, yeah, you're right, of both. But like Hjordis herself is definitely... Oh, you're right. She's both too, but she's she's more on the, on the one end of like doing a good job and trying to stop it. Um, uh, Thirteen reasons why is the mostly trying to stop it, but not. You know, I I think that that teacher did everything that he should have been expected to do uh, because again, she was looking Without... for an impossible answer. Um, also, and, she should have been talking to a counselor or psych. She didn't want to give him all the information. Right. Yeah. And he's and he was very upfront about that. He's like, with what you have told me, this is the best that I can. With what you have told me and what you are willing to do, this is the best that I can offer you. Right. Um, and then Days and Confused is obviously the opposite end of that, which other aside from that kid's mother, it's just like, you know, ha ha. Oh, these students in front of me are going to get whooped today. Isn't that funny? Um, uh, which is, you know, a, a different thing entirely. It's the groan on Martha's end. Is just... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess, Kaylee, what what was your take on uh, Days and Confused? Um, so I know I saw it in in college. And I remember uh, I was kind of like, it was one of those movies that I was kind of looking forward to seeing. And then once I saw it, I just thought I was eh. And then upon reviewing it, I'm like, yeah, I don't like this movie. Um, the soundtrack is it's, amazing. And I feel that the soundtrack sort of carries the film a lot. Um, true fact. Mm-hmm. I feel A like plus music. A plus. The movie itself has whiplash, or it gives you the sense of whiplash, because it is changing subject and 
location, like every time a song changes. But that's that's beside the point because that has nothing to do with bullying. Although I, mean, I felt bullied. Like, like it, it's straight up a movie where there's no plot. Like it's things happen to people and then the movie's over. Which is fun. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Telling you, could not name any of those characters if you paid me money. I have my own names for them, but they're not right. I know Sabrina. <laughs> I, like Sabrina. I thought that the way that she stood up for herself Ooh. at the end. What, she was the oh, is she the girl. little freshman that starts yeah. macking on the senior? Yes. Uh, but she kind of says... Yeah, she, yeah, she was okay. Because she kind of says, no, I don't want to do this to the senior. But at the same time, she kind of says, no, I don't want to do this because this guy that she's interested in is like standing right there. And so it's kind of like, you've got two different peer pressures. Which one do you go with? You're not really doing either for yourself, unless you are doing it for yourself. I don't know. It's a very, like, complex situation. Unless, and, and part of me is also like, well, he was there, which meant that she was protected. True. Like, the senior girl couldn't really have done anything to her overtly because, you know, as, we, as we've talked about, the, the humiliation that girls tend to impress kind of depends on nobody standing in front of them and going no yeah don't do that on on the flip side and i don't think you're wrong necessarily um on the flip side the the dude that she was um trying to mac on was definitely like in the nerd group and definitely not in the amongst the seniors having any sort of like actual you know hierarchical place um you know other dude um I want to say Adam Driver, but it's not Adam Driver. Um, the, <laughs> no, I, the, uh, I actually think it totally is. <laughs> no, it's the... Um, no, it's Adam Goldberg. Adam Goldberg, Adam Goldberg. there Goldberg. we go. Yeah, so, so like, you know, the other Adam Goldberg dude gets in a useless nonsense fight because, like, he's got to be macho and stuff, um, even though he's not a macho person. And then his friend is is this guy here who's, like, the the bottom end of the totem pole of high school seniors that we're seeing. Um and and so I, I don't think you're wrong necessarily that like anyone standing up can stop this sort of of bullying and I think that that's a good point is that anyone standing up might be able to stop this bullying but on the other hand if instead of it being the the senior um uh, high school or uh, uh, sorry the senior cheerleading person if it was instead like Ben Affleck um well then both the freshman <laughs> kid and also <laughs> that senior guy would have gotten beat like Oh, 100%. Yeah. She was also trashed. She was trashed. Like, I feel like it's important to remember that the senior girl we're talking about here was wasted. Yes. And thus probably wasn't up for, like, any super strenuous activity at that point. Probably wouldn't have even engaged in it if she wasn't trashed. Yeah. Don't do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's one big thing that I want to talk about, but I want to wait until after Kaylee has introduced Hyordis because it is a it is a unifying thing. Um, so Kaylee, Hyordis, Hyordis. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my homework for this week was a Danish miniseries that is currently available on Netflix called Hyordis, and it is about a music teacher, or is it a drama teacher, um, who tries to put together a school play regarding bullying in her own unique way. Um, 
And she starts out by getting together a group of kids, not necessarily the all-stars, not necessarily, you know, the popular kids, just whoever wants to be in it. Um, And she's faced with one of her higher-ups in the school district telling her, if you want this to be successful, you need to get more talent involved. Because I think they... It's like the, the the crown princess of Denmark is coming to see this play yeah. or something. Like there there yeah. are stakes. There's pressure now, which I don't think Hjorda signed up for. I think it was somebody else signed her up for it. And so, you know, the popular talented kids come in and sort of you see that them bully the existing kids, and then you also, you know, as you learn more about these characters, you kind of see how they deal with bullying themselves. And what they do as sort of like a response to that. And it's more of a holistic way of dealing with bullying. And it's more of a, you know, empathetic way. Um, I, I agree, especially with the empathy part. Um, Denmark is doing something right, I guess, in its school system. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have loved to be teaching at this school is all I got to say. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I thought it was. Oh. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting that it was clearly an all-ages school. Because yeah, we have... I, I know nothing about Denmark's education system, but I was like, I can't tell if this is, like, if this is some sort of, like, um, what we might call a charter school. Like, is it a special school in some way? Are these kids, like, is it just an all-ages thing? What's... Is this normal for Denmark? Is this not normal? Denmark Listeners, if you know anything about Denmark's education system, <laughs> write in. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, for the purposes of what we're talking about, we have kids as young. I think the youngest kid is in first grade, and the oldest kids are some species of teenager. They yes. seem like middle school teenager. Like I, I wouldn't say high school. I'd say you know eighth grade, top end. I really appreciated uh, Kaylee that you picked something that was not American made. Um, because it gives us the chance to see that there are some, (laughs) some aspects of bullying that are actually universal (laughs) and not just, you know, not just dependent on the, uh, the U.S.'s kind of hyper-masculine, uh, toxic masculine and femininity culture, um, I I absolutely loved the, what I can only guess is the Danish version of a German stereotype of a music teacher. Um, <laughs> that guy. Oh, Gert. Gert, yeah. yes, absolutely spoke to me with his turtleneck and shorts and Crocs and his line, don't just sit there experiencing emotions. Um, I am all about Gert. <laughs> um that being said, I thought I thought the show was very sweet. Um, it, it it's not something necessarily for me, but I I dug it a lot. I thought it was very funny, um, and I think you're entirely right, Martha, that it it does a great job of showing like like all many of the instances of bullying that were portrayed in the show could equally be transported to a generic American school and feel absolutely right at home. So it's. I don't know if it feels good or bad to be able to say that, like, oh, good, it's not our, it's not our <laughs> problem. It's a human problem, or at least a Western problem. Um, it's not just us, right? Your mileage may vary on whether that's good or bad. 
Um, but at least it's a thing. Um, one interesting thing I, I thought about while watching this is in the very first episode, um, Hjordis is, I'm gonna guess, Principal, who wears, like, an awesome, um, uh, what are those blankets that people would wear? Like a shawl? And, well, yeah. Poncho. That's, like, actually yeah, what she's wearing, but it, it looks like a, um, those infomercial blanket things. Oh, um, a Snuggie. A Snuggie. Snuggie. It like, yeah, it looks like she's wearing a <laughs> Snuggie. Um, which, like, speaking of, I want these costumes to be accurate to what Denmark actually wears because they're yes. wonderful. Um, uh, again, please see German music teacher in his turtleneck and shorts. Um, so, so her, I assume, principal, um, is sort of like bullying her in the first, uh, bullying Hjordis in the first episode. Um, and eventually they come to an understanding and it's more of a, it, it felt to me by the third episode, more of a, uh, like, like a healthy boss-employee relationship of like, you're taking a risk, I trust you to take it, but you'll take the consequences if it fails. Like, that that felt fine to me. Um, but yeah. in the first episode, it felt much more like browbeating and bullying. Um, yeah. And also in that first episode, you had, like, those those ringer kids brought in from the other school who were bullying Hjordis, like, the kids bullying the adults. Um, and, and that, to me, like, I was thinking a lot about not just, like, kid-kid bullying, which is everything we've been talking about so far, but also, like, adult-adult bullying, um, or kid-adult bullying, where the, the kid is the aggressor, um... And I, I just want to shout out, I think A Few Good Men is a great movie example for adult-adult bullying, um, where Jack Nicholson is, like, definitely a bully, um, and is bullying only other adults, and, like, and, and you have, you know, that, that sort of interactions happening there. So I, I think that's an interesting thing to think about, not just, um, childhood bullying, which is, I think, what I think we mostly all think about when we're talking about bullying, but also, yeah, this continues into adulthood too. Yes. So the thing that I wanted to talk about, which arcs over all three of the things that we have uh, chosen for this week, is this tendency to react to bullying rather than preventing it. Um, I think that what we see particularly... It made me think of it while watching Hjordis, um, when the little boy whose name I can't remember... Christopher. ...wants... Yeah, wants to put on a dress and be a princess in the show, and how everyone's initial reaction to that is, you can't do that because people will make fun of you, rather than what I think it should be, which is, rather than, rather than preventing him from doing the thing he wants to do because you're afraid for him defending against the negative behavior it's yeah. the it's this it's the same idea as the boys will be boys yes and, and and just to clarify for the show they're not saying you can't do that because it's wrong or because you shouldn't be wearing a dress they're no. saying it's like you shouldn't do that because you'll get made fun of because it's so awful to be made fun of to be put in that position so like that's yeah it, it, it's a very positive way to come at it but you're also i think right well and hiertas comes around to what I think the correct position is where she's like, okay, you do you. And I, as the adult and the authority figure will then stand between you and reprimand the people who are being mean to you. 
because that is my job as an authority figure. Like, I feel like there's this this reaction to um, prevent the othering behavior rather than try and prevent the bullying behavior because the bullying almost feels... Um, accepted. Accepted and um, predetermined. Like... Like, it's, it's just accepted that bullying is a thing that will happen. So rather than try and train our kids not to do that, we say, protect yourself by not doing the thing you want to do. I, I don't disagree with anything that's been said. From the teacher standpoint, yeah, I was a teacher for a couple of years. It's a lot easier. Um, and in and, and some cases of bullying are very much, like, easier to go after the bully. But then you also have your kids who are like, even as an adult, you're a really annoying kid. Um, and if I, too, was a middle schooler who couldn't handle uh, his or herself, I might respond by, like, messing with you because you are annoying and easy to mess with. Not that that kid is in the wrong, but it's if you're the adult trying to, like, solve, quote-unquote, solve the problem in your classroom, sometimes the easier solution, not the right solution, but the easier solution is to say you're doing something that's that's causing them to pick on you. I, as an adult, can see that, and I can can say, stop doing that, and they'll stop picking on you. Um, so often I think it comes down to, and this is purely in a school setting, it comes down to almost a triage situation of, I only have so many, uh, you know, so much time, so much resources. I can see that this is happening. This is one way to stop it if I get this kid to stop doing the actions. Um, that's not defending that. That's not saying that's the right move, but I'm saying it's, it's often a, um, well, but if it's, if it's a matter of telling someone to stop doing something, why is the response not to tell the bullies to stop bullying? Like if, if you're going to be telling a kid to stop doing something, why is, why are you going after the kid who's being picked on and not the kids that are doing the bullying? So the, the, the examples I'm thinking of from my own experience was a case of, I don't want to say mutual bullying, but like it, there were no angels in that situation. Um, and so the easier solution was to be like telling the kid who was low level instigating and then reaping higher level, you know, repercussions to stop the low level instigation. But I feel like. I feel like we're not talking about instigation. We're talking about... Yeah, like, 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 Hjord is for sure, nobody's instigating. Like, Christopher wants to wear a dress. He can wear a dress all he wants, and it will be totally on everyone else to not bully him. So I guess that's what I'm talking about, is, like, our, our inclination is to is to tell the kids who... Like, it's not an instigation. It's just Christopher's not instigating anything by wanting to wear a dress, but the reaction is still to tell him not to do that rather than to tell the bullies not to bully. And I, I I think even without the the instigation, it comes down to, and and again, I want to keep reiterating, not right. Like, like I'm not defending this position, but I'm, I'm empathizing with it is that it is the easier problem to solve. And I'm putting both problem and solve in scare quotes. Like if I have limited time, energy and resources, I can stop, bullying by making this kid be different rather than have to put out every single individual bully fire that happens. Um, I, I, but if a kid I, again, is again, instigating... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not defending it. Like, I'm, I'm throwing No, I know, but I, if, you're, if your instinct is to, to call the inciting behavior instigation, 
then is the response does that really become bullying if it's if it's a kid being an instigator then the reaction i don't know would fit into what we're talking about yeah then it's just kids being jerks (laughs) right right it's like the i'm not touching you i'm not touching you i'm not touching you (laughs) stop um i wanted to real quick um i in terms of bullying in a wider pop culture sense why do you guys think it is that we as a culture find real life bullies so compelling? Um, the two examples that I thought up pretty immediately were Simon Cowell on um, American Idol uh, and Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen and the various other shows that involve somebody being super mean to a bunch of contestants, um, basically all of reality TV. Um which we as a culture, whether or not the three of us individually agree with this, uh, clearly we as a culture eat this stuff up. Um, And I was wondering if you guys had any ideas as to why uh, we find real bullies to be such compelling entertainment, for lack of a better word. I have an idea. Um, I feel like it's because, and this might actually go into something else, I feel like it's because these people are saying things that we've always wanted to say, but have been for whatever reason, like too afraid or too, you know, not wanting to stir the pot. Or or polite. Yeah. So it's, you've got, you know, people saying things that you would never say yourself. And you kind of feel like this like cathartic release of saying, yeah, he really showed that person a what for and it's like i don't know no i i think that there's something to that um i also think that in terms of the media we consume we can be sort of masochistic like part of it is part of it is we like watching gordon um put the terrible chefs in their place but part of it is also we kind of like to suffer along with the terrible chefs like we like to feel almost self-righteously sympathetic for them or maybe it's just me (laughs) i i I think there's even a a simpler answer there which is that it creates good drama um you know if if you're Uh, i mean if you're the creator of a reality tv show and you're trying to figure out how to edit this um putting the bully in a front and center position is a good way to do it because they're going to cause reaction. And the entire point of that media is getting reaction. In any way possible sometimes. Right. And if that means yelling at someone because their meatloaf looks like a shoe or something, I don't actually watch Gordon Ramsay, but I know what his shtick is, um, then that will make for quote-unquote good television because it's you'll see... You, 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 you'll not only get that initial moment of him yelling, which is very, like, you know, for whatever reason, we feel very cathartic on that for one reason or another, but then you can get, like, the reaction shot later of, like, oh, so bad when he said that my meatloaf looked like a shoe, um, or or yeah. whatever. Like, 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 you can make better, I don't want to say better drama, you can make easy drama that way uh, by, by leaning into that. 
And then other shows, I mean, we all, last week, we were raving about the Great British Break Off. And, uh, Just the opposite of all that. <laughs> totally the opposite of all that. And thank you, I, I think it was Martha who brought it up last week. Um, it was, yes. Because I learned that there was an entire season I had never seen before. So then I just binged that season. Um, and it's totally the opposite. Yeah. It's just so, they're so nice to each other. And now I almost wonder if we've been inundated with the cruel reality TV stuff. So now when we watch something like The Great British Bake Off, and by we I mean the American people, um, when we watch something like The Great British Bake Off, which doesn't function on that kind of vicious drama, it's just like a relief. Like yeah. We can watch this and not feel bad for anybody. Well, and not feel like, afraid for anybody like you feel bad when they get eliminated but it's not like you you're not a you're not scared that anyone's gonna like accidentally or not accidentally but like sabotage someone else's cupcakes or something yes and to say that to also add to that you when you have the bad chef and they get kicked off you feel very vindicated you're like i knew you were a bad chef and you got kicked off and it's just is it a healthy way of looking at things i i think it's pretty healthy in, in british bake-off because you're like oh you had a bunch of bad bakes yeah you don't oh, like yeah. like not not that you're a bad chef but you don't deserve to be like you should go um yeah, yeah you're maybe not at the same levels of professionalism <laughs> right whereas um I, g going back to to the the point of like are we too inundated is it refreshing simply to not see that um i haven't watched this but i know that gordon ramsay hosts a junior version of some cooking show i don't know if it's top chef or master chef or it... it's master chef junior there we go he is he's a completely different person on it yeah like he doesn't yell at the kids he's very nice to them um mm -hmm. and and everything i heard is it's like who is this person because they look like gordon ramsay but they're not like, for, for obvious reasons, they're not swearing at a 10-year-old. I was going to say, can you imagine the <laughs> backlash he would get? Well, any final thoughts before we get into our supplementary materials? One thing that I think that Hyoldis does... Sorry, Hyoldis? Why do I think it's not called that? Hyoldis. Um, does the best of is what I think we need to... I don't have a solution to this. Um, but I, I think that especially after this last election cycle and the bully that is currently in the White House and everything, and just the, not him necessarily, but the way media and especially social media is around him, it's all gotten a lot more toxic and a lot more just nasty. And I think that we as a society, and this would probably begin in the schools, really need a massive booster shot of radical empathy. Um, I think that empathy would solve the issues of 13 Reasons Why. Maybe not solve, but at least begin to address. Um, I think that, that Hyordis does a, a Hyordis, sorry, uh, does a great job of showing what that might look like in a culture and in a school. The kids generally were in their clique in their friend group were incredibly supportive and nice to each other um christopher was helpful to his uh larger friend um beau uh and and in the first episode when when some 
bullies were picking on Christopher. Uh, th- the entire group was like, are you okay? That was awful, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and just presenting that sort of addressing addressing that in a more meaningful way in the school system. Um, I don't think there... I, I have yet to see any curriculum that can necessarily do that in the constantly time and resource-strapped environment that is our current education system. Um, I think anything that really can do that well will take a lot of time and resources. Um, but I think that it's something that we are desperately lacking as a culture and something that we need an incredible boost of. Um, in order to, you know, improve. I agree with you. Um, However, I also think that we are in sort of a weird place of lacking that empathy, but also it's, it's like we lack the empathy, but then also want to give time and space to platforms that just straight shouldn't have it. Yep. Like, There's an instinct in us to say, oh, well, free speech, except when we're talking about actual literal Nazis, I don't think that applies. Yeah, I am on favor of punching Nazis. Like, I was going to say, I think that that I think that having empathy is really important. But I also think that it's important to remember that that only really applies to punching down. Like, yes, don't punch down in your actions. Like, I I can tweet mean stuff to Trump as much as I want to, and it's not bullying because... Because he is literally a, the president of the United States. Right. And, like, I have no power over him, but also everything that... Like, everything that he perceives to be bullying is just people telling him things that he has done. So, I, I think I, I that... I think empathy works both ways. Um, in the sense that it, like, radical empathy means saying, like, be aware of everyone and and know where they're coming from, and also at the same time, like, oh, you're advocating this horrific thing, well, that's horrific, like, and you need to be empathetic towards the people who are literally the, the targets of your vitriol or, or who will be suffering by your plans, and if you're just not willing... Like, I, I don't think that anyone should be tying their hands behind their back. Um, and so if you're confronted with an empathetic sociopath, you shouldn't be like, oh, well, you just need to understand better. It's like, no, he's just an, an empathetic list sociopath. Uh, so we need to confront that head on. Sorry. And I, I will get off my soapbox at this point. <laughs> no, no. It's a good soapbox. It's a good soapbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... But yeah, in terms of additional stuff, um, obviously I'm a teen librarian. I'm a, I read a lot of young adult literature. Um, I wanted to highlight two books in particular. Um, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli is an excellent book and deals with a, a, teen, a teen boy. I think he's a junior. It doesn't really matter. Um, he is gay and has not come out yet. Hmm. And a mem- a classmate of his finds out that he is and basically blackmails him into helping him hook up with a girl that uh, Simon, the main character, is friends with in exchange for not outing him to the entire school. Um, which is a really underhanded way of being a bully, but is, I mean, exerting uh, abusive power over somebody that you perceive to be 
weaker than you. That, um, that also feels very real. Like, I can absolutely imagine that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book is a book called Butter by Aaron Jade Lang. Uh, it's another book featuring a teen boy who's overweight um, and gets teased and tormented about being obese to the point where he decides that he's going to kill himself live on the internet by overeating. He is going to kill himself by food. So it, it becomes this thing where he makes like he posts a YouTube thing or a blog post or something announcing that he's going to do this and saying when and how that kind of snowballs into like this whole dis- this whole kind of undercover discussion happening at his school because uh, obviously the parents and the teachers never get involved um, between people. <laughs> why, why would they? <laughs> yeah, between the kids who are like, that's heavy metal, dude, and the kids who are like, really? So it becomes this whole like legendary thing and nobody thinks he's going to do it. And, you know, his kind of process for like deciding whether he actually is or not. Um, it's really rough. That one is it's i mean it's it's like the it's like what i imagine would have been inside hannah's head before she commits suicide like it's it's the uh process of somebody deciding whether or not that they're going to do that um and then feeling backed into a corner by having made the announcement Mm. um also deals with body shaming and i really like that it's a body shaming book featuring a boy i feel like that doesn't get brought up enough um, obviously, anorexia and bulimia are horrible things that teen girls go through all the time, but also teen boys deal with it, too. And it's just it's nice to get diversity in your protagonists. And 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 what you just said there about, you know, I, I flippantly said, of course, the parents and teachers don't get involved. Um, but I think that that in in 13 Reasons Why, especially and it sounds like in this and let's be honest, in real life, too, I think that. Um, one of my my cardinal sins for media and my one of the most frustrating plot beats is the solvable problems that are not solved because people don't talk to each other. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that like you know when you're talking about a, a thing like Jessica Jones or like you know a Marvel movie, it's like haha, of course we could fix this if they just talk to each other. Um, if you're talking about it in real life, that's obviously much more difficult. Um, yeah, but I think that oftentimes that is um you know it it is i don't want to say an easy solution but it is probably the best solution for issues like this where i i can imagine in 13 reasons why so many instances where talking to each other or talking to someone else would have changed the direction of things or could have had the chance to change the direction of things and and ditto with what it sounds like you're talking about with butter martha Mm-hmm. uh two episodes of tv i wanted to mention real fast um i almost assigned this one as homework for you guys before i decided to make you read a book instead uh supernatural season four episode 13 is called after school special uh in it are uh, our Winchester boys, Dean and Sam, uh, end up at their previous high school on a ghost case. And the ghost turns out to be, I guess, spoiler alert for Supernatural. It's the ghost of a bully who committed suicide after the kids that he bullied started bullying him. Hmm. So there's a lot of 
really interesting stuff in there about how like a kid's home life affects their behavior at school because you find out that he came from an abusive home and how like the it's a it's a lot about consequences um and it's during when supernatural was still actually a good show uh the other one is first of all the show glee is just sort of premised on a group of kids who get bullied in high school just always um but the episode in particular I want to call out is season one, episode 20, called Theatricality. Uh, that is sort of infamously the Lady Gaga episode. Um, and it's particularly pertinent because you have the kids uh, dressing up in Lady Gaga costumes as part of a Glee assignment, uh, except for the football player who won't because he feels stupid. Um, and then by the end of the episode, he ends up in full Lady Gaga regalia uh, to kind of stand beside the kids in Glee who are his true friends rather than the uh, abusive football players who have been teasing them all week. Um, but yeah, pretty much any episode on Glee. Any, anyone. And, and we'd be highly remiss in our nerd creds if we also did not mention that Stranger Things has a lot of really good uh, bully-related subplots such that they're not, they weren't worthy of, of being homework assignments and everything. Also, we've all seen Stranger Things. Um, but some I'm great... not going to lie, I thought about it. I you, really did. <laughs> you know, if you'd assigned it, I would have very happily rewatched it. But um, Same. Uh, yeah, Stranger Things. I was thinking... Yeah, I was thinking about the episode towards the end where the the two bullies... Spoilers for Stranger Things! If you haven't seen it, maybe skip forward like 20 seconds. And, and um, also, but the also epi- pause this episode, watch Stranger Things... Go watch Stranger Things! Come back in eight hours, <laughs> finish this episode. That's what you should do. Um, no, but I almost assigned the episode where the bullies try and make what's-his-name jump off the cliff, and then Eleven saves him, and then just totally goes to psychic town on their butts yep. and breaks the kid's arm. Yep. Um, um, and, and relatedly, <laughs> um, I just wa- uh, read uh, Paper Girls, which is phenomenal, and also has yes! an early scene with not psychic kids, but just um, uh, awesome... Uh, female protagonists uh, given some older bullies what's what if we ever do an episode on nostalgia I'm mm. going to have you guys read Paper Girls um, also Carrie pick your format you've got a book and two movies to choose from at this point but that's basically the um, archetypal girl gets bullied to the point of enacting revenge I mean, fiery, almost fiery revenge. yeah, almost every uh, magical realism or horror high school girl drama owes something to Carrie, I think. Um, speaking of talking about girl bullies in high school, Mean Girls or Heather's, uh, two pretty prototypical high school bullying dramas. Uh, we're, we're recording on a Friday. If we were recording on a Wednesday, I'd be wearing pink because on Wednesdays we were paying um and also Pete I think that you almost assigned back to the future I did that was mostly because I was dredging the topic of bullying is not one that I think of as media that I've consumed like I, I don't think of the media I consume and think like oh that has a good bullying theme so I was sort of casting about wildly um and one of the ideas that came to my mind that I discarded was back to the future uh, but I think it bears mentioning, because you, 
you have um Biff. I don't, I don't remember any of the names of these characters, guys. I just <laughs> uh, Biff Tannen. Biff Tannen, another prototypical uh, bully character, I think. Uh, that about does it for me. Any final thoughts, supplementary materials? Um, I've got a couple supplementary materials, but I'm only going to mention one right now, um, which is Hurricane Bianca. It okay. is a movie, an independent movie from 2016, so a year after Hortus, Hortus, and it is the complete opposite of Hortus. Hmm. So... It is about, um, it stars Bianca Del Rio, hence the name Hurricane Bianca. And she is a drag queen who gets placed as a teacher in a very rural area. And I want to say it's Texas? Yes, small town in Texas. Okay. So she's this teacher, and but it's not known. It's it's when she's not in drag that she's the teacher and dealing with the bullies of the kids, picking on this vulnerable teacher type character because they are all, you know, the alpha male type personalities versus the teacher. But then when the teacher sort of discovers who she is and transforms into Hurricane Bianca, she then sort of kind of more or less exacts. Is that exacts? extracts gets revenge on the students that you know have been bullying i i assume she does so in a in a uh non-carry manner um or or maybe not maybe is this a spoiler should i not yeah yeah Um, all right not not in like a i'm trying to i don't think in a violent way but in a in a not curious way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderfully apt way to put it. It's a very good companion piece to Hjordis because it's it's very opposite. And I just had the sheer coincidence of watching the, both of them on the same day. And I was like, those are two very different sides of the same coin. Hmm. Which is interesting. Like, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. And I love I love Bianca, so... And that's all the time we have on this week's episode. Martha, what is our topic for next episode? Our topic for next episode is reboots, remakes, and reimaginings inspired by the fact that, for my homework, uh, I watched the Riverdale pilot, and it is the soapy CW Twin Peaks reimagining of Archie comics that I never knew that I needed, but am absolutely in love with. So... By the time we record our next episode, I believe there will be four episodes out. Uh, Your only assignment is the pilot, but I encourage you to watch all of it because seriously, it's amazing. And what is your homework, Pete? My homework is uh, season one, episode one of The Magicians, currently available on Netflix. Um, The Magicians is a sci-fi TV show whatever adaptation uh of a book that i love um 
caveat, I did not enjoy the beginning of this season of the, uh, the, the beginning of how they, they made the magicians into a show. Everything I've read about it says that it gets better. Um, but it was such that I sort of stopped watching after three episodes. This is my excuse to start watching again and actually finish the season and, and see if it's as good as the book, which again, I loved and I highly recommend reading. But the homework itself is the TV show, uh, starting like Martha on season one, episode one. Sounds good. Um, and my homework assignment is season one, episode one of Sailor Moon Crystal. Yes, all TV I... homework. Best homework. <laughs> <laughs> which I've currently I had. I'm oh, sorry. Which I've currently been binge watching a little bit. Um... I'm, I'm guessing this is a re. Yes. Boot of Sailor? Which, which re is, is it? It is a re. We will get. I th we will get into the nuances of all of those definitions because I have thoughts about all of them and we will get into them on our next episode. Okay. I had a small mental tantrum about the fact that we were all assigning TV because I like to keep homework diverse, but then I realized that that's kind of what's hot right now in terms of reboots and like remakes and stuff. Um, it's all in TV and movies. So... You know, we can talk about source material next week, but I think it's apropos that we are all assigning a t an episode of TV for next time. Oh, it's that TV. So hot right now. TV. <laughs> Amazing. All right. And we will be reconvening in two weeks, which gives you plenty of time to watch our lovely television shows that we've picked out and to do your homework. As always, the topic and homework assignments can be found on our website, homeworkpodcast.com. You can find our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Our home on the web is homeworkpodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter at DYDYH Podcast. We are also on Facebook. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future shows, please email us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. And tweeting, Facebook messages, and blog comments will also work. Martha, where can we find you online? You can find me online pretty much anywhere at Magical Martha. I'm most active these days on Twitter and Instagram. And Pete, where, we, where can we find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Pico3000. That's P-I-K-O 3000. Uh, and because the topic matter of today veered so heavily into suicide and, and topics like that, I would be remiss in not shouting out that if you are feeling suicidal or do have those thoughts, please call a suicide hotline. Um, Google searching suicide hotline is probably a good move uh, to get a, a variety of ways to talk to trained people um, in your area, either via phone or also I know these days via text, chat, uh, email, you know, so, some sort of textual way if you don't like talking to people in person. But uh, reach out. Many problems can be solved by simple communication. Um, so please do that. And remember, you're not alone, yes. no matter how it may feel. Where can we find you, Kaylee? You can find me on Instagram at Tricky Lemon. Uh, thanks for listening to our show, guys. That's all we have for you today, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.